Good morning, church. Welcome, welcome. Uh, I just wanted to actually open us up in prayer, and then I am starting. We're switching things up, and we're doing three-ish things right at the beginning. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can gather together here, that we can be together and worship you as a family. Lord, I pray that um, we be able to quiet our souls and be aware of your presence and how you're moving in our life. Thank you for all that you do. In your name, amen. My name is Alicia and I'm the director of Youth Ministries and I am going to be bringing our three-ish things to you. Our three-ish things are things that we feel you need to know that may be happening within this next week or in the next few weeks. Um, it goes out on the email as well, but I am giving you a little information right here from the stage. So our first up is we have elder nominations. They are open and you to be able to nominate somebody, you go to the website there. Um, at newlifechurch.ca slash nominations. Um, so this is to nominate someone, or you can pick up a paper from the info booth and return it to the office. Our second three-ish things is a year ago, Easter, we did a baptism Sunday, and some of you may have seen a video of myself, and I kind of spoke really fast because it was minus one, but that's okay, it's all good. God hears us, right? Uh, so we have a sunrise service again and baptisms. If you would like to be part of that, if you want to be baptized, please contact Pastor Scott and he'd love to have a conversation with you. So that is our number two. And our number three is furnish the home and fill the freezer for the Burns. I say their name wrong all the time. I apologize, Simon, if you're ever listening to this. Um, but it's... Uh, so we have the registration link officially up. Christy has worked really hard at that one. Uh, and on there we have lists for small items. So if you would like to donate a small item for the house, you can register for that um, on the link. The thing is, or meals, frozen meals, or grocery shopping, filling the pantry. But the thing we, there's a few, two things we have to make note. First is, do not bring stuff if you have not registered. So if you haven't said, I am bringing this, don't bring it, please. We only have so much space. Um, so if you have something to bring, please go to the link and register that. The second thing for filling meals and food and groceries, Simon has a severe allergy, like life-threatening allergy. So you need to look at that list so you're aware of what it is. Um, we don't need to send him to the hospital his first week here. <laughs> That wouldn't be great. Uh, so those are the two big things that I had to say for that. Those are our three-ish things, so thank you guys. Uh, my name is Alana. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. If we haven't met yet, um, I would love to meet you. Come and grab me and say hello, introduce yourself. And every week we do what we call a community story, where we highlight the story of somebody in our church community, how God is working through them, what they're doing. And uh, as part of that, we've also been going through the staff kind of once a month. We bring one of the staff up and talk about their role here at the church helps you get to know who the staff is and what everybody does. And so that's what we're doing this morning. We have Christy here. Christy, you are our administrative assistant. You do so much more than assist us in administration. So why don't you just start by uh, giving us a little bit of an overview of what your responsibilities actually are. Yeah, so I'm here about 25 hours a week, 
Sometimes it's a little less, sometimes it's more. Um, so it's kind of, I kind of like to break it up into three sections. Um, one of them is office admin. So I work at the front desk, I answer the phones, respond to emails. Um, I put together the Friday email every week. Um, I order office supplies. Um, I am greeting and dealing with a lot of the people that come in um, to the church during the week. Um, the church is busy during the week and not just in the evenings during the day as well. And so, um, yeah, everything you can think of, front desk stuff, that's me. Um, I also run our needs and extras ministry. So that's a ministry that's been around for a while. And what it is, um, if you're ever out that way, there's two 16-foot um, shipping containers back here um, by the Easy Park stalls. And Needs and Extras is basically, uh, we take in donations of gently used furniture and for free. People donate it, and then we in turn make it available to people in the community for free. Um, so that, I know a few years ago, some of you might remember, there was a really bad fire down on Lewis Street, <clears throat> and I had been at the job for all of three days after that happened, <laughs> and I spent the first month buried in furniture. Um, so we were able to help a lot of those people, um, and yeah, people who are displaced, people who are on the street and find a home, um, they can come in and they can get beds and coffee tables. Um, so that is the other part. And the last part is financials, actually. So I do the majority of accounts receivables. So all the stuff that you give, I process it for the bookkeeper and as well as paying the bills. <laughs> so that's how I spend my Wednesdays in my second office doing that. And I've been doing the payables just for about a couple months now. I kind of took that over from Alana. So that's been something new that's been added on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So what is something, you've been on the job since January 1st, 2021, right? Yes. 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 So what is something maybe that has perhaps surprised you about, um, about your job, about what you do here? Mm -hmm. And in that, what's your favorite part? Um, I think what continues to surprise me is you would think that a lot of people that we encounter during the week have something to do with this place, and they don't. I would probably say 90% of the people that come through the door have no affiliation with any church, um, and they just heard somewhere, and I hear this all the time, and it may, I say it all the time, how proud I am, not because we're so great, but because there is, there's a good gossip out in the community that if you need help, call New Life Church. And I probably get phone calls every week. Somebody told me that you might be able to help me with something. And sometimes we can't. Sometimes we have to say whatever they're looking for, no sorry. But at the very least, um, I get to, I offer to pray with them um, and just learn to be kind. So it, 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 there's, this is Sunday morning, but during the week, it's the community that's in here. And so I think after, you know, a couple years and coming out of COVID especially, 90% of the people that come in the door have never walked through the doors of a church or never been to New Life before. And I think I enjoy that because it keeps things very interesting. Um, and just, yeah, just allows us as a team, not just myself, to um, uh, like represent this, this church, this building, this organization as a safe place for people to come where they are treated with dignity and kindness. And that is a lot of what a lot of people that come to the doors don't get from the community. And so I think that's it's challenging, but it's really, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Good. Speaking of challenging, what is the most challenging part of your job? Um, all those same things. Um, <laughs> I mentioned the book that we were reading earlier, and um, it, it's talking about emotionally healthy discipleship, following Jesus in a way that is more than just spiritual, but it's, it talks about emotions. And one of the chapters, I thought I was going to ace it. I was like, I got this one. Make love the measure of maturity. I, I am being very challenged that I actually don't love people very well. 
that there is sometimes an ulterior motive where I want to get something out of the encounter that makes me feel good. And for the most part, people that come through are very polite and they're very grateful. Some people aren't. Some people, they, they're rude, they're ungrateful, they're demanding. Um, and reading that chapter, I did it in a book club with Alana, and then we're also doing the same book again as staff, so I've doubled down. And that, challenge, that chapter by far challenged me the most. And there's a line in there where he calls people unrepeatable and inestimable treasures. And I, I have goosebumps talking about it. I got slapped so hard across the face <laughs> that that is not how I see people all the time. And so that has been what he's been challenging me with recently. It's so easy to be like, oh, another person, another person, because the need in the community is so staggering that it does weigh on my heart sometimes because I want to fix it all. You know this about me. I have a hard time saying no. Someone's like, I need diapers. I'm like, I'll go buy you diapers. I'll buy you a house, whatever you need. Um, because I just, I just want to see people like not struggle. And so having to let go that that's not my job. My job is to be obedient and compassionate in the moment, treat these people with dignity and just not feel like I need to get anything out of it. So loving people well. That's good. Thanks. I just want to be clear. It was a figurative slap across the face. Oh, yeah. Not literal. Yeah, right? it was Scott. Okay. <laughs> do better. No, Scott would never no. do that. No, it's good. It's been a, it's been a good book That's to read, to, read together as staff. That's great. Last question. Where do you see God at work in your role here? Yeah, I think one of the big things, and I think Gordon kind of touched on it when he was up here, um, is that more and more, especially as come out of COVID, whatever that means, this, this building is being used by the community. Um, there's, you know, there's some weeks where three or four days of the week, there's a group from outside of the church in the building. And so, and I, there's been a few funerals over the last few Saturdays and just kind of walking through and hearing people go, wow, this is so cool. Wow, I didn't even know this building was here. I hear that all the time. I had no idea there was a church here. So it's been really cool um, to see us be given more opportunities for this building to be not just ours, but the communities, and just to get them in the doors. Um, and I think I, I'll, I'll say one story about this um, woman that's been coming in for a little while. We were chatting about her the other day. And when I first started working here the first time she came in, she threw me right off. She was, she was totally high, she was jittering, she was talking faster than I am, if you can believe it. Because <laughs> I know I talk fast. Um, and I didn't know what to do with her. And she comes in about once a month for a hamper. Um, and Shortly after it got built, um, she moved into the lookout, the village, the one by Walmart, the new transitional housing. And she still comes in once a month. And she came in just this past week. And she was present. She looked me in the eye. She wasn't shaking. She came in for a hamper. And I was sharing with Alana at our, we have quarterly meetings with her just to check in, see how we're doing. And I was just sharing that. I'm just struggling with feeling like, like, is what we're doing making a difference? Does it matter that we're giving out a bag of groceries or a gift card for gas? Like, and that's the part of me that wants to see the results. Um, and Alana shared with me that she had come in um, while I was away sick um, at the end of January. And the last time she was in, I offered her a coffee. That's one of my goals in my strategic plan is to just find more ways to um, engage with people rather than just it being a transaction of here's a hamper, here's a gift card. Can I make you a coffee? I'm gonna come down or a tea. Send them away with a bit of dignity and something warm in their hands. Mm -hmm. And so she came in and asked for her hamper and she had brought a cup with her and she said, okay, would it be okay if I had another coffee? And it was so encouraging to me. And then my husband actually works at Island Ford, so very close um, to the lookout. And he, when I shared, like she came in again this week and she was present, she asked for a coffee again. 
Um, and he goes, I know who you're talking about. And when she first moved in, she was all over the place. And he, even he sees a difference that getting into that housing is making in her life. And so it's so exciting, again, to see that people feel safe here and they can be treated again with dignity because dignity is probably bottom of the things that they receive in their lives. And so that's, that was a really, that's really cool. And there's a few people that are like that. They come back and I'm actually seeing a difference in their lives and not necessarily because of me, but because of community supports and seeing that people's lives are changing. And that's really cool to get to be a part of that. Very humbling mm -hmm. to get to be a part of that. Yeah. It's great. Well, thank you for sharing. Uh, I know you've really been looking forward to the rapid fire questions. <laughs> um, and funny, when you know somebody really well, because I know Christy really well, it's actually really hard to come up with these five rapid fire questions. So here's the rules. Oh, you no. must choose. You cannot no. say both. Okay? Everyone else to There's say only both. four. I could only think of okay. four. But I'll do my best. Help us get to know Christy just a little bit better. All week. Would you rather jump out of a plane or go scuba diving? Oh, jump out of a plane again okay. by far. If you were adopting a mythical creature, <laughs> you, you were gonna ask about that. Would it be a unicorn or a mermaid? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unicorn. Okay. She does um, know me very well. <laughs> tomatoes or raisins? Oh, that's cruel. <laughs> she hates them both. <laughs> it's you a bit of a staff joke, actually. Gotta eat one. I'm going to say raisins because they're not smushy. Okay. Last one. Would you go camping in Quadra oh. or go to a Blue Jays game? <gasps> this is me. My dad knows how cruel that is. <laughs> I was going to say go to a Blue Jays game. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad. I do love camping at Quadra, but I love the Blue Jays. That was... I know. Yes. For, to, for the record, Dad is saying camping at Quadra because yeah. <laughs> they go with Dad. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you. thank you for everything that you do here to serve our community. That's Christy. So this morning, my last message is on doing what Jesus does. And one thing that Jesus did, and I think he did really well, was he loved the unlovable. He loved the unlovable. And so I want to talk about that this morning. And when I think about love, and I think about the Tina Turner song always comes in my head when I think about love. I don't know about you. You notice I didn't do the video this time that I did with Celebration if you were here. I know I need a job. And um, Tina Turner might be a little bit more, you know, risky. But anyways... In this, she says, what does, what, what's love got to do, got to do with it? What does love, what's love but a secondhand emotion? Re realize there are question marks here, okay? It's not statements, it's a question mark. What does love got to do with it, got to do with it? I'm not doing as well as Tina Turner, but that's okay. It's in your head, I know. Hopefully that's not the last thing in the, you hear this morning. Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Question mark. These are really external questions. These are questions that, that would, we could sit and talk about a little bit about what does love really have to do with it? I mean, is love a secondhand emotion? Is that what love really is? I mean, do you, if your heart's going to be broken, why have a heart? Well, I'm not going to answer any of those questions. 
But I just had to tell you that it's always on my mind. When I talk about love, it's like this song Tina Turner comes on. Oh, boy. But I do think that love has a lot to do with our lives. And Jesus, as he walked this earth, he loved the people around him. You can't help when you, when you open up the Gospels. Isn't that true? The first five books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read the story his story of how he lived on this earth. And you read that and you see the amount of love that he had for people. It's tremendous. And how much love which came with patience with the disciples. And then I think if I could just take that and if I could take the aspect of of all the love that I have that I see that I read in the Gospels of Jesus, and if I could put that into a ball, a sphere, and then I could pick it up and look at it, I would be looking at it, turning around, and I would know that even after a year or two years of looking at this love, I would still not be able to grasp but a fraction of what it actually looks like that Jesus loves you and me. And that's the beauty of God. The beauty of God is that we'll never exhaust his character. Anything about who he is, we'll never exhaust it. But I do believe that we can understand it to a greater measure. So the word love appears in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those first four books of the New Testament. It appears, depending on what version you look at, I averaged it out. 450 times in those four books. So those those four books have a lot to say about love, and Jesus has a lot to say about love. And I had a lot to choose from, so guess what I chose today? I chose this, Matthew. Seems like, there we go, no, okay. Um, I chose this verse. If you would... uh, Turn in your, in your Bibles and read with me if you have your Bibles. If not, it is up here, and I will be reading it from there. But, but you might get lost in what is before and after. But here is the Sermon on the Mount. This is a time where Jesus has a group of people. He is preaching, and we come to these verses in and, uh, 543 to 48. As you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor... And hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of the Father who is in heaven. For who makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends the rain on the just and the unjust? For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do you do even the tax collectors do the same? And if you Greet only your brothers. What more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So when I read these words, just even that first part where he says, listen, um, I want you to love not just the people that you like, but I want you to love your enemies. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes the rule that they were, to be, they were being taught by the religious leaders, and in this case, the rule was to love, your in, to love your neighbors. That was the rule. And he takes that and he one-ups it. 
Well, I think in this case, it's probably maybe more than one up when he says, love your enemies. So pause for a moment. When I say love your enemies, when I say love somebody who has hurt you, somebody that you don't like being around, okay, so let's, let's make this personal here, all right? Let's not just keep it out here, but let's make this your life. Does somebody come to mind? I know nobody comes to mind because you're all good Christians here, right? But seriously, like, who is it in your life right now that you go, I am struggling to love that person? <laughs> There's an honest brother back there. Okay. And when I read this, I think you've got to be kidding me. Seriously? You, I can love my neighbor, okay? They're pretty good. They're okay. They're okay people. Maybe the people you're thinking about is your neighbors. I don't know, but. And here's where maybe I'd make a joke about our in-laws, but I won't. Are your in-laws sitting next? No, I'm right. But, but here, here's the part that I, I look at. And I think as I talk about this, you may say to me, do you know my enemy? Do you know really who my enemy is? If you knew my enemy, I don't know if you'd be saying this. And my response to you is this. No, I don't know your enemy. I don't. I don't know those people who have hurt you deeply. I don't know those people who have wounded you severely. And I don't want to minimize your hurt or the wrong that has been done to you. Because it's real. Nor do I want you to feel like whatever I have to say next is going to solve that deep hurt or wound. But I hope what follows is helping you in the process of how do I love someone who's hurt me deeply. And sometimes it takes others to come along and help you. Sometimes we need professional help to actually get there. There's no shame in that. I think the church has done wrong. We have put a lot of shame on saying, I need help. I need help. (laughs) You've journeyed with me. I've tried to be as vulnerable as I can. And I need help often in my life. And so if we've been hurt that way, and I say love your enemies, it sometimes takes some extra help to get us there. So I don't want to minimize that. But what I want us to do is that that what Jesus gives us is he presents to us the Sermon on the Mount, and even in this, is he's wanting to give us a picture of what the kingdom of God looks like. In God's economy, it looks differently. Jesus is saying that, that, that... how we look at people and how people, how we look at people should be different than what the world does. So I want to talk about how do we do this? How do we love our enemies? And we, we need to move past what to obey 
and look to how to obey. And that's my attempt today. I want to move us past what to obey to understanding how to obey. You know, hating takes a lot of work, doesn't it? It takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort, and it drains us and it leaves us broken. And so when I can understand how to love in the midst of that, in the midst of my hurt and my pain, I become the person that God created me to be. Jesus modeled this teaching. In Luke chapter 23, 34, the verses that are up there, Jesus is on the cross. The people that are below him are the very ones who have mocked him. They have beat him. They have hung him on the cross. They have accused him falsely. And he's on the cross. And he's on the cross. He's looking down and he says these words. Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they are doing. These very words express love for his enemies. The very words who, sur- the very people who surround him, who mock him, who seek, he seeks the Father's forgiveness. So where did this love come from? Was it simply because he was God? Yes and no. He was man too. We cannot forget that he wasn't just God, but he was man. We're told in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 that he was a man and was tempted in every way. That's why he can understand what we go through. So he as a man is being tempted. I believe on the cross, he knew he had the power to come down himself. He knew he had the power to wipe those people out. I mean, talk about one who is seeking to do the will of the Father, and yet, what did he pray? Forgive them, God, for they do not know what they are doing. Does he understand great pain, hurt, betrayal? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And he modeled. So that's why he says to you and I, and that's what this series has been all about. He invites us into this journey with him that says, I know how to do these things. I know how to forgive. I know how to love the unlovable. And he invites us into that. Step into his journey. Remain in him. These are things we've talked about. Know how to surrender to him, your will, your mind, your body. Paul writes the words, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and to share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That passion to know Jesus, that passion to say that that I want to live this life, that I'm not hating, I'm loving and I'm even loving my enemies. So how does this happen? Well, there's this outside-inside part of our lives. The outside versus the inside. And Jesus says these words in John chapter 15, 10 and 11. Jesus called the crowd to him and he said, listen and understand what does... What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. And then he goes on to explain it. Don't you see that whoever enter, whatever enters the mouth goes, out of, goes into the stomach and out of the body? 
But the things that come out of a person's mouth come out of the heart and defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts. And then he lists some. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false false testimony, slander. These are what defiles a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. The issue that was going on is that, is that the religious leaders were saying, wait, you've got to do the ceremonial stuff in order to be right with God. And it isn't, it isn't following the rules that are going to make us right with God. It's seeking the one who knows us. And he's saying it's what is deep down inside your heart. It's what's deep down inside your heart. And that's what comes out. So, let me give another illustration. Iceberg. Um, I did some research on iceberg, and I knew I wasn't going to have time to tell you all about icebergs. I wish I could because it's really cool, but I'm not going to because what's coming, you know, how I want to use this is really cool too. But uh, one thing you need to know is you can't read that, but I'll give it to you. One-tenth, so a tenth of an iceberg, the mass of an iceberg, only one-tenth is above water. Nine-tenths of what that that iceberg is is below the water. And so what we want to talk about is, if you can see that, we want to talk about, there's a line that I put up there. We want to talk about the above and below the water line. Above and below the water line. There we go. Above and below the water line. So in our lives, what we encounter, what people encounter of us, is what is above the waterline. And some of us do a really good job, even though what's below the waterline isn't all that good, we do a pretty good job above the waterline. I can tell because you are all looking good today. You brushed your teeth, you combed your hair, you put on a good outfit, I got my snazzy shoes on, I'm looking good. And that's what I want you to know. But then things heat up. They heat up. Somebody says something to us or they do something to us and it hurts us and we are not loving them. They're hard to love. Why is that? Well, I think it's what's happening below the waterline. And so what is below the waterline? Below the waterline are things like unforgiveness, things that we're doing in our social media, a consumption of entertainment, information, busyness, consuming. I'll come back to that. In Jeremiah 17, 9, we read, that, we read these words, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? And in the next verse, God answers it. He says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. God understands our heart. He knows our mind. That's why I had the door illustration. I said, let's not drop the pack when we go through the door to meet with God. Let's recognize we need to bring it in with him, sit with him. He already knows it. Let's talk about it and let him talk to us about it. Because if we're hiding those things, we will never get rid of them. They will always stay as part of our lives. I have, I've had the privilege of being with people as they enter those golden years. 
The only thing they're told about the golden years, the only thing gold about those years is the cost to make those years continue to happen. They cost a lot, right? I'll give you an example of Art Cornelson. How many people know Art and Audrey? A few of you, they, they've been in the church. They were in the church for, been in church for, for quite a while. And I was asked to go visit Art, and, um, and so I did. And I love Art and Audrey. And so as I visited with them, right away, Art tells me, I've got dementia. Okay. And we, we talk, and as I continue to visit Art, he continues to decline. And I've been around people that way. And you get to know what is in a person's heart when they no longer up here can control what is below the line. And art for me, I mean, I know I was supposed to go as the pastor and I was supposed to minister to him, but I will tell you that as the pastor, art was, he ministered to me. And as a family, they know that it was difficult to watch their dad not be who he was in the place of how active his was and the way he did and said things. But what I got to experience was the dad he was. And art was not perfect, but art never wavered in his faith. He never wavered in his faith. He was a kind man until he passed away. Because that's who he was. Because that was what was below the water line. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we make sure that what is below the water line is actually, we're actually living it out above the water line? Well, I'm sorry, I'm going to come back to it. It's the things we talked about. It's about this invitation to this journey. It's this, it's this part of not living not consuming in our, in our world the things of, of unforgiveness or social media or Netflix, Prime, Disney or news or Reddit or workaholism and sports and saying yes to everything or debt or possessions or status. When I'm consuming this, when this is my world, then what's above the line is going to be so hard to be Christ. But when I make these things below the waterline, when I make them my prayer life, my love for God, I slow down in silence. Thank you, Christy, for slowing us down today. When I fast and I say fasting is the ability to be able to say no to the flesh and yes to God. And I need to do that often in my life. No to me, yes to God. As I surrender, as scripture speaks to me, as mentors speak into my life, allowing people to tell me that I'm not right or I need to change or way to go, you're doing it right, or repentance. In Philippians 3, 7 to 11, 
Paul speaks the words that he counts everything the world has to offer as nothing compared to knowing Jesus Christ. He counts it as loss compared to knowing Jesus Christ. In the, in the questions that I have for this week, um, the questions are in Philippians 3, 7 to, to 10 or 11. And it's purposeful because, because we need to go, am I willing to lose my life for his sake? So as I have done, I have a practice that I want to give you. And I'm going to end with this. Again, it's on the piece of paper out there. So uh, you don't have to be frantic about this. Write it down. I, I, I ripped this off. Um, I admit it. I'm, I stole it from Ruth Haley Barton. Um, I guess I didn't really steal it if I'm telling you. But, but it's, I'm not brilliant, all right? Just so you know. I'm not that brilliant. Uh, but I thought it was really good. So here's the practice. It's the practice of examine. How do I know what is below the waterline? Because I'm willing to go with God below the waterline. Because it's what comes out of my heart that matters most. So in it, there's this preparation. And I spend a few moments in silence and quiet. And I take a deep breath and I exhale slowly. And, and it's, it, it, it's okay to come into this time where my mind is going to be racing, I need to slow it down. And then I am saying um, that, God, I love you. And I know you love me. And then I give God an invitation. Invite God to, to, help, to help me reflect on my past day. To slow down, to, to recognize where he was present throughout the day. You know that my prayer, my daily prayer is, God, you woke me up today. You invited me to be part of your day. And my last part of that prayer is that, Lord, I want to be aware of what you are up today so that I can be part of it. So when we examine, we get to do that. And then we, the next thing we do is that we review our day. And we ask questions. When, when did God provide for me? When did he comfort me? When did he convict me? Uh, when did he speak to me? What did he reveal to me? How did he protect me? And I'm just reviewing my day because I didn't make it to the end of my day simply because I decided, God helped me get to that end of my day. So where was he in it? And then I'm giving thanks. I'm giving thanks. I'm giving thanks for the good and I'm giving thanks even for the bad. And then I'm confessing. So I'm looking and I'm inviting God to show me and, and, and bring before me the things about my character that are not like his character. How my fruit is not his fruit. And I'm confessing that. And, I, and I'm bringing it before him. And then as I do, I'm asking him to forgive me. As I practice this, I'm not then I'm not keeping things hidden. I'm bringing them and I'm exposing them. And I might even invite others to come along and to say, hey, here's my life. Speak into my life. So my invitation to you is to grab a piece of paper and to try this just once. All I'm asking is one time this week. Sit down with a piece of paper, that paper, and to examine, allow God to examine you, sit before him, try it once, see what happens. 
I think something's going to happen if your heart is right. Let's see what happens. I have enjoyed, I have enjoyed this journey with you because I feel like it's been a journey together. And we're going to be switching gears here. Alicia is going to preach one, more, one last message next week on this. And then we're going to be switching gears. Simon has put together a preaching series to, to journey to Jerusalem, uh, to Easter. And then we have Easter message and some stuff afterwards. It'll be really good. Um, but I think this has been good for us in preparation for Simon and him coming. And more than anything, our preparation for what God is doing in us and through us. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. You have made this day, God. And there are times that I do have to say, I will rejoice in it somehow. But I praise you for it, Lord. And I thank you that I started off, Lord, by talking about loving the unlovable and how do we do it. Lord, you've shown us it's not by our might, not by our power, not by our, our, our determination, but God, it's by you. It's found in you. I can only love my enemies and pray for those who harm me because of you. Because God, you show me how. And Lord, I, I pray for people sitting here today myself included, is we have had people in our life who have hurt us, who have harmed us. Lord, I pray that we will know forgiveness and freedom in you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.